Uh, can you imagine? <laughs> I don't want to. Chase, what the fuck were you thinking about here? See, we, we working on his brow shopper. We're just in back of the crowd shopper. Welcome once again to Waxing the Porpoise. Uh, my name is Jim G. Baby. With us, as always, the usual suspect, Steve. How are you, friend? Happy belated Doing fourth. Doing well. Yeah, I, uh, I saw you had some pretty intense fireworks. How'd those go? You didn't blow your hand off, I see. No. Have you? Side note, have you seen that thing? It was making the rounds maybe a month or two ago. They had like some shit in Reno. Uh, I think it was Reno, the where dude like I don't know what kind of firework it was, but he lit it off and he held it in his hand. He was just like plastered, like yeah, be- like beach white trash, brown water trash, and he lit it off in his hand and it blew it off and it looked like he had a lobster claw, and the shock really hadn't set in or maybe it did and he was just like oh, drunk. Yes. Have you seen that? I have. <sighs> yeah, dude. I'm sure there's a bunch of those every year, but. Yes, I think I think you may have even sent me that one you're talking about. Yeah, it, it is I could wild have. Yeah, how much of that shit happens every year? Yeah, that one was just like it happened to have like five people recording it, and one of like multiple angles I found, and like yeah, dude, it was so gnarly, like blood just spurting out, and like his ring yeah. finger and pinky are just like nerfed, like hanging. Well, everyone down. could probably see what Ooh. was happening and what was about to happen. You know, like this guy was probably like, I bet I could get to five Mississippi before I throw it. Yeah. Like, well, <laughs> let me uh, pull my phone out because this guy is about to blow his fucking hand off. So gnarly. Yeah. Luckily, we didn't I wanted a- to, approach those levels. I, I wanted to ask you before we started recording, but I figured I would wait just because it, it sounds like it's a funny story. Uh, a recent goings on in your life regarding my, my old lady was telling me that you guys had an issue with. Uh, a tree service person that like came to your house and wouldn't leave. Yeah. Do you, do you want to tell like a quick version of that story or, or no? Yeah. Yeah, I can. Uh, yeah. So we, we had a major storm come through the Fort Wayne area called a derecho. I found out after the fact, but it basically, it fucking blew my maple tree. That's like 200 feet tall in half. And it split three ways. Some into my pool on top of my roof and then in my front yard. Anyway, it fucking like cut like a straight line through this town. So fuck ton of people are trying to get tree service. I finally get one on the phone after calling like 25. I'm like, Hey, yeah. And from the get go is like the run around, like to get them to come out here just for a quote. And they were just like the lady on the phone was just like, she was on crack. Like she's just scatterbrained. And I was like, whatever. This is the only game in town. So I get it quoted i approve the quote schedule it monday 9 a.m see you then fucking nothing for like two hours three hours i call them up at two o'clock hey i know you guys are busy are we gonna move this to tomorrow she's like oh no we'll be uh, out there at 3 30 i'm thinking 3 30 like this tree that you're taking out i'm envisioning like <laughs> five to eight members of a crew like a bucket a wood chipper like this this to me seems like a full eight hour 
work day. I'm like, it's 3.30. Yeah. I was like, you're going to be trimming on this at fucking 10? So I was like, how about let's just clean slate. Let's do it tomorrow, Tuesday, 9 a.m. Cool. They fucking same thing. Ghost me. I call, email, text, nothing. So then it's 2 o'clock, and then I'm still getting nowhere with them. And the day before, another uh, tree service had, they were just driving by. Because there's, like, trees down fucking everywhere. It's like... It's, it's like a gold rush for tree trimmers and arborists right now. So they came by and they're like, hey, we'll take that out right now for you. And I was like, hey, I already, you know, committed to a quote with this company. Thanks, though. I'll keep you in mind. So then, so after the, this company just balks multiple times, I give them a call. I'm like, hey, uh, I got another company that can come out here and do it right now, they said. And uh, so you got till 2.30 to give me a call back, a text, anything uh saying you're going to be late or whatever the clock strikes 2 30 no one there i text the gal i'm like hey deals off uh we're gonna go with someone else nothing then at like 3 30 i get a knock at the front door and it's like the owner of this tree service he's like knocking the door he's like hey uh i'm here with xyz company here to take the tree down i was like oh they didn't let you know owner of the company uh i canceled this at 2 30 we're gonna go with someone else tomorrow they said they're gonna be here at 9 a.m sharp wednesday morning and he went off on like this like he's talking about you know people need to be patient and like i we're out working on a tree and i don't get the communication and like she had pneumonia she was in the hospital and like i'm like whoa i was like that's fine. I appreciate it. But I was like, we're going to go with someone else. You know, like I, I get that you guys are super busy and you can't, I was like, I was told you're going to be here at 9am two yes, different sir. days. Yeah. <laughs> and kept stringing it out, stringing it out. And you know, I wasn't getting you, the, the communication quality was zero. So I'm going with another company. And then I see his hands. He's starting to ball up his hands and he's like shaking. And oh, he's yeah. like, <laughs> he's like, I'll, I'll knock $1,500 off the price right now. It's like, I'll knock $2,000 off the price. I'll do it right now. And he's, I'm like, dude, I was like, I think this probably got to him. I was like, I was like, sorry. I was like, as a man, I already committed to this other company who said they're going to be here tomorrow at nine. I was like, I'm not going to call them back because you showed up like a day and a half later than you said you're going to do this and no one getting back to me. I was like, sorry. I was like, your services are no longer required. My wife was watching from the camera inside and then she got up. I was like, fuck you. I was like, I'm going to get my wife on you. And, uh, <laughs> but yeah, she came out and started barking fire and she's like, get the fuck out of here. And I was like, yeah, I was like, yeah, I was like, yeah, you need to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I did bow up at him. She came out because I started raising my voice. And I was, because he was like saying, he was trying to guilt trip it back on me. Like that I'm not patient enough or sympathetic to like how busy they are. I'm like, that's fine. I was like, when I can't get a hold of you for six fucking hours, I was like, yeah. I have a right to fucking use someone different. It's like, we didn't sign a goddamn contract. You're not building my fucking house, you know? Well, and if they're, if they're so busy, it's like, hey, you know, I want to apologize. We're so busy. I get that we're not able to take care. But from their point of view, it's like, if they're so busy, they shouldn't be hurting by having this no. one customer. Yeah. It was like, I was out here taking his wallet, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> it's like dude, yeah, fuck off, man. That's so. Funny. Yeah, and then sure shit, the other company I used, they showed up fucking 9 a.m. sharp, 
got out there. So he was he was going to knock two thousand off. How much? How much was the original quote for? Eighty four hundred. Oh my god! And how much was insurance covering? Zero because it fucking didn't didn't hit the house. We were just gun shy after it split in half, because yeah, yeah, the insurance gets you because they're like, oh well, that's sorry, that's just considered maintenance. You know, we only cover shit that like as an as a result of weather that actually impacted or if it's on the ground and it's causing an imminent danger or threat or something. Even though I did have a hanger like sixty feet up that was like fucking like I don't know ten inches around, like twenty foot long. A limb that was just net, it was just dangling on two other limbs underneath it. I was like, dude, if that falls and hits my roof, you're gonna be out like thirty grand. It's like, yeah, w- wouldn't oh, you least, like yeah. concede a little bit, like help me with the preventative mate anyway? But yeah. yeah, it was kind of funny to because I mean, my wife doesn't get like that. She's pretty like, like especially in social situations and like interactions, she's she tends to like. But if there's a problem with your fucking order or like this, like a service level thing, dude, she fucking, <laughs> yeah, she got revved up. So nice. Yeah. Fuck those guys. Uh, Infinity outdoor yeah. in the Northeast Whoa. Indiana fucking. Yeah. Fuck you. Shots fired. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I, I, I got like part of the story. I was like, oh man, I really want to hear this. <laughs> I thought you were going to bring up the fucking, uh, the uh, wardrobe malfunction <laughs> where I pulled a uh, oh. Janet Jackson. I Yeah, I totally forgot about that. I probably blacked it out because it was just too <laughs> traumatic. <laughs> so your, your wife gave me like disintegrating swim trunks or something? Yeah, yeah, for our anniversary. She's like, oh, I got you swim trunks. And I was like, kind of a weird gift, but okay. I like clothes. Um, sure. I'm in the market for a pair of trunks. So... Sure. Yeah, so she gives me and but I knew something was off cuz like I saw him and my and I don't know what you know with me and clothes like if I get something I like I'd get it from the mail I tear it off I put it on. So as soon as I saw this I was like, "Oh, cool." And it's vacuum sealed too. So I'm like, "Weird." I was like, "Maybe there's some like new cutting-edge dope shit." And uh uh-huh. I I go to open it. She's like, "Oh, no, 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 don't open it." And I was like, all right. She's like, I wanted to do it on this day when we can get in the pool where it's nice weather and I'm going to videotape you jumping in with them. And I was like, again, really weird, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're kind of a weird lady. But um, yeah, so sure shit. First nice day we could I go out and swim. I want to wait until your mom's here. Yeah. And my fucking <laughs> sister-in-law and niece right by the pool. I'm like, dude, what? you're on crack. Uh, yeah, so I put them on. And so I was thinking in my head because – I like to think I'm a smart guy. I was like, something's going on here. I thought yeah. they were going to be like color changing. Like you get in the water and it's like, Oh, I fucking pissed my pants. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay. But no. So I get in and I'm like swimming. I'm fucking, I get in there. I'm doing the backstroke. I'm like, yeah. Like enjoying life to the fullest. And I pick up my daughter and you know, like, woo, go. And I, I shoot her off into the pool and I'm like hanging out and I st- I go to get out, and then she's like, no, 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 not not yet. And I was like, what? She's like, just swim around. I'm filming you. I'm like, okay. And then right oh, then I start God. feeling like more water touching the surface area of like my inner thigh, and I'm like, that's weird. And then I hear people giggling, and then oh my 
trunks are disintegrating right before my eyes. That's weird. And so it becomes like a loincloth situation. <laughs> and then so I'm like, you know, cinching my legs up and like covering. And the shit's just like falling off like lazily, like a like an octopus was clutched onto you and it just let go. Yeah. And I'm like, what's going on? Everyone's laughing. Oh, they're disintegrating. Don't, don't laugh. Yeah. I was like, okay, <laughs> my mom's in the pool. Your sister and her 16-year-old niece are right there. You're filming this. Are you fucking live streaming? I was like, give me a pair of trunks. But yeah, anyway, long story <laughs> short, they're fucking disintegrating. I guess it's like it's trending right now. Some bitch did this to, to her. Like hu- a good sport about it, but inside you were a volcano of rage. No, I was cool with it. It was, it was fun. I was a little like, hey, man. Like I was down to like the mesh under, like your your underclothing. Like <laughs> I was like, dude. But yeah, some bitch did this to her husband at a public beach. Oh my god! <laughs> that kind of situation, I would have been like, hey man, this is no bueno. But anyway. Yeah, that's that's funny. Yeah. Also, I guess t- to keep the anecdote train rolling we just had fourth of july yesterday and i'm a native californian now in indiana so i get to light fucking illegal as shit fireworks and so that was pretty fucking fun it was like i didn't even have to light anything there was so much shit going on like front side back everywhere you can pop off like those mortar style or like they're they're these repeaters that come in a big box and they have like mortars pre-stacked and pre-fused all together So I got this one called it was Cosmic Carnival. That was the grand finale. And it shot up like fucking 150, 200 feet in the air and blew up like, you know, the professional ones you go to a baseball game and see. Yeah. It was pretty yeah, intense. Yeah, you sent me you sent me a video of it and I was like, I didn't even think you, uh, a regular citizen could buy those cuz yeah, where I live, you're oh, yeah. I don't even think you're allowed to have I don't even think you're allowed to have snakes or sparklers. Yeah, certain regions of California and cities, it it varies. Like I know people of all places in Fresno, where you can do them out in front of your street, and that's like Central Valley. It's bone dry. Like, yeah. But growing up as a kid in a small town in California, you could do it in your front street, like right in front of your sidewalk. Uh, but they couldn't be anything higher than like a fountain. Nothing aerial. Yeah. Bo- like even the smallest, tiny, you know, those dinky little bottle rockets. You can't uh-huh. can't you can't fire those off, dude. Out here they have fucking brick and mortar stores that are open, 365 days a year, that are open seven days a week. You go in, they have shopping carts, like they have their own cart corral. You can go nuts. Yeah, I've seen I've seen it. Looks like a grocery store, right? Yeah, it's just full of that's all fireworks. Yeah, it's nuts. But yeah, anyway, so this 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 year was a uh, pretty neat. Uh, did you guys do anything for the fourth? Go anywhere? Or you just hung out and no, heard all that? No, kind of just hung around. We uh, we had a, a friend's birthday that we went to over the weekend, and yeah, that's about it. That was fun, but yeah, the only people lighting off fireworks are illegal ones around here. So all the riffraff. Yep, upsetting our cat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I used to have a dog that would like. It'd be in my mom's bed underneath two blankets, shivering the whole night. So, and that was a big fat ass dog. And we have a little like eight pound Pekingese, and he was just like chill as he- like he's like this is cool. Hmm. So luckily, yeah, we didn't have a dog that freaks out. It sucks for them. 
Um, <clears throat> all right. Yeah, well, well, sorry to totally derail it from the beginning. I just I, I wanted to hear the, the story of the guy who wouldn't leave your house. Yeah. That's so that's so weird. Yeah, it was it was pretty intense. I thought it was going to go south real quickly. But uh, once my <laughs> once he my wife even left a bad review for the guy and he started bribing us. He's like, well, we take the review down. He's like, I'll give you gift cards. I'll give you like. I was like, whoa, dude. I was like, no, you're not going to bribe me. I was like, that's a risky fucking take of going into business and being a fucking public business. Do better than kick rocks. Well, and that, that kind of makes you think this isn't the first time he's tried to have no. tried to bribe somebody to take back a shitty review. Yeah. if you, We should have looked him up on the BBB, which we did after the fact, and there's a couple horror stories. One guy even went so far to say, this guy has, like, the owner, his name, I will redact, but uh, they're like, this guy's got, like, split personality disorder. He's like Jekyll and Hyde. So I was like, yeah, I can see that. So anyway, fuck all that. So yeah. we are here today to discuss a... Uh, a disappearance and the untimely death uh, of a guy named Colin Finnerty. So quick, I think too, we got to go in a quick bit of background of missing 411. Um, I can't, I became aware of this, I don't know, five or six years ago. I heard a podcast with this dude uh, named David Polides who went on talking about his series of books that he calls missing 411. And to try to keep it short and simple, he, I mean, He's been on multiple podcasts, and I, I know it's it's this thing is kind of trended on TikTok and a couple other social media things. But he investigates like unusual, what he claims are unusual disappearances in national parks. He started in the U.S. He's since branched out. He's got like ten fucking books. He's done Canada, globally. He's identified like a profile. He has a background in law enforcement. You can look him up. Um, because I feel like I've heard all this before, but I guess basically he's he's developed like a 10-point or 12-point profile of people that are like beyond, he claims, he rules out, you know, animal predation or, you know, like um, suicide or anything that would explain a normal disappearance, like shit happens, you know, all the time. Um, he thinks these are exceptional like outside of that mix um just a couple of the bullet points that are like hallmarks of his uh of these strange disappearances uh missing people with disabilities missing people left with their canines uh the missing are found in or near creeks rivers or other bodies of water um there happens to be a geographical clustering of missing persons uh, inclement weather, often associated with the disappearance. Swamps and briar patches play a predominant role in many disappearances. Uh, many occur in late afternoon or early evening when the missing is found, because some of these people are end up uh, being found. Many cannot or will not remember what occurred while they were gone. Uh, so like a, a blackout or a state of amnesia. Um, when the missing is located, the majority are semi-conscious or unconscious. When the missing is located, many are missing clothing or shoes or both. Um, the missing is found in an area that was previously searched, oftentimes heavily. Um, so that's really like the surface level. Like this dude uh, investigates strange disappearances that he's he thinks he's identified a pattern, and it's it's pretty intriguing. Um, 
and he doesn't seem like your run-of-the-mill like super conspiracy Yahoo. Um, he's well-spoken, so, art- articulate. So ba- based on that criteria, that makes me think that is his conclusion that it's aliens, or is he just kind of like, hey, make make of this what you will? They these things sort of follow the same pattern, and it's just simply unexplained. Yeah, I I think this is one of the facts that makes him more credible to people that aren't willing to go super tinfoil conspiracy hat is that he doesn't offer explanations. Like most people Mm -hmm. that are pushing like an idea or agenda or like, I think it's this, it's based around that belief and then it goes from there or vice versa. So he's just like stating like, here's what it is. And I'm not, I'm not going to say it's like, isn't this weird? And I've identified things attached to it that make it weird i guess or he's built this profile that does that's funny because when i was when i was reading more about the the guy we're talking about today somehow i ended up on a fucking bigfoot forum and they're like yeah this doesn't fit the uh bill of a bigfoot thing i'm like how did i get here like i just kind of was going down the rabbit hole and it was like bigfoot samantha 77 says i don't think this fits uh i'm gonna go back the way I came. Well, this Polites guy too. Then it it kind of it's it pulls you back and forth because he is a proponent of Bigfoot, but he completely separates. Like there's a hard division in his research and the shit that he uh, participates in or investigates. So he also does believe Bigfoot's out there, but he doesn't tie it to any of these missing disappearances. I think he is in his like in his own mind. He just doesn't come right out and say that. Um, because clearly it would, I mean, the, the kind of runway and like the progress he's made with 411, I feel like would have, it wouldn't have been enabled if he came right out from the inception and was like, okay, I think this has something to do with Bigfoot potentially. Yeah, people, Even that people would bit, probably be quicker to dismiss him as like a yeah. kook if he, you know, kind of just explicitly said, I think it's this or that instead of just kind of laying it all out there and, and letting other people make their determinations but i will say he's like the most articulate person i've heard talk about bigfoot like he seems like the most sane person i don't want to get into bigfoot and like that that whole thing but um i will say that he doesn't sound like a crackpot i guess if you hear him speak which which goes a long way when you're talking about things that normally you only ever hear crackpots talking about Mm -hmm. yeah so i think that's why i was attracted to these series of disappearances and cases he's highlighted so then out of so he's done like 10 books he's done thousands of of the covered thousands of these disappearances and deaths and um he's done he's done the the round of certain uh podcasts where he kind of cherry picks out of those like really like extraordinarily uh unusual disappearances that have each one of them kind of have their own unique thing this is one of them the case of uh Colin Finnerty that uh, that really like I was like man that's fucking creepy like some of the details we'll talk about and it just it, it seemed like something else is going on but the more you research it too the more I came on board with like an equally plausible um, or realistic uh, outcome which we'll get into so um, it's funny because I kind of I kind of had the opposite where 
Really? When I first started looking, when I first started reading about it, I was like, this seems like a pretty sort of ho hum, just classic disappearance that it probably won't take us long to talk about. But then the more the more I read about it, and like the the different variety of places I read about it, I was like, there's there's more here that's not adding up. Uh-huh. That if if all of these independent things said are true, um, it just got like weirder and weirder the more I read about it. But I don't know I don't know how much of these these uh, outlier strange facts are provable or agreed upon because uh-huh. you know I, I would read. I would read an article and someone would cite some fact about the scene or the chronology or whatever. And then I wouldn't see that anywhere else. So it's like, well, if, if this is true, it's very unusual, but it could, it could easily not be true. So yeah, I guess, I guess we could just get into it and see where it takes us. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so this is a, a missing 411 case. Uh, and that's, I'll I'll start off with just a quick background on who this guy is um, or was. Yeah, it, it has a it has quite the effect on yeah some of the speculation that comes later. Yeah. So Colin Finnerty, he was a a standout football star. He's kind of like um, you think of like the prototypical like alpha kind of jock. This guy kind of fit that bill. He was, I mean, he was built like a brick shit house. Uh, he's 6'3", 235 pound quarterback, which is not unheard of, but it's definitely like, you know, that's not typical. Like he, he's built like a linebacker, basically. Um, he was super tough, hard nosed, wasn't afraid to get his hands dirty. Um, he's a Michigan native, um, so he knew the area well. He went to school there, went to college there. He was drafted or he was, excuse me, he was an unrestricted or he was a undrafted free agent picked up by the Baltimore Ravens uh, in 2007. And he kind of just bounced around between, I think just the Ravens and the Denver Broncos practice squad. Never really caught on. I think he spent a year overseas uh, playing for an Austrian uh, uh, European football league. And then before coming back the following year, I think 2009, uh, and he played for a now defunct, um, arena football team in Muskegon. Yeah. Well, and, and I didn't realize how good of a college career he had. Oh yeah. It was, it was a division two school, which is, it's not division one, but it's not nothing. And they won, they won the D2 national championship three out of the four years he was there. And the last two years they went undefeated. And I saw a lot of people who were like, he's the best D2 player that's ever, ever played. Like, wow, damn, that's, that's pretty high praise. So yeah, just ultra competitor. I think he still, he still holds the record. If you count D2 uh, and all the levels of collegiate play, like the, he's the winningest college football quarterback in history. What was it? I think it's fifty and four. So you only lost four times in four years. Well, and I don't know if if because I saw one of the things I, I I read a lot about this, and then I also watched. I think it was Fox Sports or ESPN had like a yeah. what happened to this guy, and one of the people they interviewed was one of his coaches there, and it was Brian Kelly. Brian former, Kelly. Yep. No, and I was like, oh shit! I wonder. I I I thought maybe that would be one of your connections to this thing because you're you're a notre dame guy yeah you're a moon guy notre, notre dame sucks anyway 
How dare you? Uh, but yeah. yeah, so his, his football career kind of fizzled out. Uh, so then he kind of went the normal life, got a job as like a medical sales rep or something, got married, had a couple kids. Yep. Yeah, it sounds like his, his body was a little beat up from playing because like you said, he was he was not the type to like slide, run out of bounds. Like he would just put his head down and run through people, which yeah, it's fun to watch, but it can it can take a toll on your body. That's for sure. Yeah, they ran a uh, like a run option spread so he could throw, but uh, his primary uh, prerogative was to run, and he never slid. He never ran out of bounds, you know. So he took a lot of abuse, but like people called him Superman. Like he can't get hurt. I think I read a thing where he fell off a, th- a thirty-foot zip line one time, and people were like horrified, and he like bounced right back up, and he was like totally fine didn't have a scratch on him um he did i later found out too like throughout his college career he he had this is uh from his brother he said he had four or five concussions like legitimate like diagnosed concussions uh in his football career um which maybe could play into like some of the paranoid episodes and cte that we'll uh, talk about later um yeah and well and that's a good example of something where i could have sworn I read that too at one point, and then during that video I saw, it must have been his brother, maybe it was his brother-in-law or his dad, was like, we only know of like one concussion he had in high school, or uh, in college, and he was fine, like we went through the protocols and everything, but he seemed okay, and it's like, how how can these two statements exist in the same world? Like, Right. Yeah, that four or five concussion figure, that was thrown out. It seemed, it was in a New York Times article, and it was kind of seemingly thrown out by the brother. You know, just like, eh, you know, I think legitimate was was like four or five concussions. So that's not like from a medical examiner or like any medical authority. Oh, yeah. And I read a a thing, like an interview with the medical examiner, which is funny that we can get into later because it was definitely different than what I was expecting. But one, one last thing about his football careers. I can't remember if it was, he's the only D two player or the only college quarterback to ever have 200 passing yards and a hundred rushing yards in the same game. That seems like that would have been done. I don't know. Maybe it was like, maybe it was a school record. Maybe it was just D two or. Well, either way, I mean, that's, that's an excellent game for a quarterback for sure. Yeah. To get a hundred on the ground and two hundred in the air, for sure. Yeah, I feel like that's been that's had to have been done. Maybe it was a higher. Maybe he ran for like two hundred and threw for four hundred or something. Either way, dude, this guy was like a specimen, and this this adds to like you know him getting lost and especially you know him being a, a native Michi- Michigander his whole life and being like an avid outdoorsman, hunter, fishing. He the place where he disappeared, uh, they had a family cabin like within ten miles of the place. Like this was like area. Growing up, he he was a thirty year old man when he passed away. That he would probably know like the back of his hand, you know. Um, so all all these together, it's like a super tough dude that can take a fucking beating, and he knows this area, and he's not a stranger to like rugged terrain and having to rough it, you know, and then he disappears and dies strangely. Um, So that kind of jumped out. I was like, Oh yeah. Cause I'm a football fan. And you know, like, it's like you look on a map too of like where he went missing. It's not like, it's like 
there's heavily uh, wooded areas and forested areas, but and it's right on the edge of the Huron Manistee National Forest in uh, Michigan. But there's like towns, there's like little hamlets, there's streams that he knew like the back of his hand, like the Baldwin River and the Bray Creek campground where he went missing. Like they were all like single digit miles away from somewhere, which he probably could have ran in an hour and found a main road or a fucking general store, his buddy's sister's cousin's house that he knew. So I was like, yeah, that's Yeah, it's not like he was in the middle of Alaska. Right. Or like out at like, you know, a national park that has nothing for like a hundred miles in any direction. It was like, it's like very quickly becomes like small podunk residential rural area but not so rural where you're like completely cut off from society where you would think like, or give more credence to like, Oh yeah. Disappearance. Like, yeah, shit happens when you're that far away and from civilization. But it, even just looking at a cursory look at the map, it's like, this doesn't seem like this kind of a disappearance with this kind of person in this area. Like there's gotta be something else going on here. But, um, so I, I just double-checked my, my notes real quick because it was driving me nuts. He, he became the first player in Division Two championship history to pass oh, okay. for 200 and rush for 100. So That makes way more sense. Right, okay. Um, okay. So yeah, so you want to get into the, the day that yeah. everything happens? Yeah, so we're in the year 2013. Yep. You want to take us out? Uh, sure, yeah. So he was, he was spending the day with his uh, – it, it was his wife's – family's cabin that they were in but i it wasn't anything unfamiliar to him and i it sounds like he was spending the day with his brother-in-law and his father-in-law and they decided to call it a day and he wanted to go back out i think it was like eight or eight thirty at night so yeah. it was getting late but not super super late and i believe Gotta get that evening them. bite he was a he was yeah. a big fisherman he wanted to go out and he's like i just want to fish one more time just try to get an evening bite real quick yeah, and so like, yeah, I think whatever. the plan was they were going to pick him up in 30 minutes or just like a short, short trip. Yeah. And then, <clears throat> and then uh, I believe his wife gets the first call. Is that right? Because he, he, yeah. he makes two calls at least, one to his wife and then one to his brother, I think. And uh, so the call to his wife, he starts saying some crazy shit that uh, – he thinks people are following him. And I saw one thing that said that he told her he was going to take his clothes off. Not really sure why. Yeah. And when she was trying to ask him about it, he ended the call. And then I believe that then he talked to his brother a little while later and said he didn't know where he was and just sounded confused and disoriented. And it's, I don't know if you saw that one of the really weird things about this, if it's true is after the fact they went back and they were, pinging his cell phone to see where he was. And they said that the phone was moving around simultaneously, like miles in different directions, which if if you wanted to go with like an alien abduction theory or something like that, that would certainly help that. I don't know. I'm obviously not an expert in cell phone towers, but I know that they don't necessarily go to the closest tower to you. They go to the closest tower. That's like accepting traffic. Mm -hmm. So, I suppose it's possible that it's it's a coincidence that when they happened to be pinging his phone, he was in an area where it was equidistant to these different towers, and they just were kicking the signal back and forth. 
but I thought I thought that was very unusual because I've never I've never seen that in a case where I mean cell phone towers tower data has become pretty popular in the last 10 or 15 years uh, but I've never seen it where it's bounced around that sort of sporadically mm-hmm. yeah that that was one of the first pieces about this case that had me intrigued like oh shit how's this phone doing that but the more you look into it that I, f- I feel like that's not as strong because like the things you're alluding to with and it's like in 2013 i know this isn't brand new but it's not to the level it is right now probably like the the specificity and how tight that technology is but yeah it's like you could also you could always chalk that up to like you know how far away was that tower or like, how can you trust these pings are giving you the exact GPS location of where he was and how fast and how far away he was moving. Unless you had like one of those, like, you know, those high tech, like shit that like pro Joe hiker uses, you know, like those GPS uh, transponders, like that would be, that would be like the, uh, the golden ticket to have something like that tied to this but the cell phone one it's like the more you look at it it's it's a little bit more sketchy but that was the first thing i was like oh fuck how's he moving three miles north and then they ping it two minutes later and he's five miles south from the origin point so eight miles away from his last ping spot like that was like oh fuck yeah it makes you think automatically of like some kind of interdimensional rift or he was teleported or fucking men in black or alien or, or something something hyper weird yeah, had the, to have made the that happen. was just like so scrambled it was it was hitting all these different places but i don't know if you listened to serial season one but i remember the, oh, yeah. the cell phone the cell phone data was a, a big point of contention in that too and yeah it's i mean it's it's kind of like a lot of these forensic techniques they're they're not quite as airtight as people think they are yeah so yeah that that's when i was kind of like oh. Not to disrespect the family, but like I was like, that would have been so much more intriguing if that had more uh, weight to it, you know? Um, yeah, or if, if for some reason they found his cell phone like ten miles from where he was, or or you know, something like that would sort of physically go along with right. That would corroborate that. the the pings and like the the data that the sheriff was being fed from the cell phone company. Yeah, so where did we leave off? The The last call was heard from him on the evening of the 26th. Right. We looked for him all, all night. Uh, one thing that I thought was cool in the video is they had footage, like news footage of the the school that he went to. They sent a shit ton of like coaches, players, yeah, and just pe- people in the community. Like the video was pretty nuts because there's like hundreds of people just walking through the forest looking for him and that was pretty cool to see a turnout. So, I mean, he must've been a well-liked, well-liked guy in the community. And then they ended up finding him the, uh, 28th. I can't remember what time of day it was that they found him. I don't think it was super late at night. I think but it, we're, it was midday. On yeah. Tuesday, and they found the him 28th. like maybe a half a mile from where his boat went was. In. Yeah. Yeah, le- less than half a mile, which is not far at all. And especially what, for this yards from a road. Yeah, especially this well kind of guy. Road. Yeah, and a guy that was familiar with, super familiar with the area, 
and like someone of his like he didn't let himself go after he quit playing football like you see pictures with his family you know he's still like peak condition you know like i can make it a half mile out of the forest so yeah. <laughs> oh one other thing too i i learned about later that just probably apropos of nothing um I just think it's kind of interesting and it's it seems like it's a branch that I want to go down for like maybe future topics is um have you ever heard of the uh Lake Michigan Triangle? Uh I don't think so. So there is a similar to the uh Bermuda Triangle and there's I guess there, there's various other triangles of like weird shit you know pour it into this bucket and they tie it to a geographic location. There's a Lake Michigan Triangle which I mean, I'm intimately aware now of how just how fucking big it is by only being two hours away from it now, but it doesn't really hit you until you like really look at it. Like we were looking at places where we're gonna go visit. It's like, dude, this thing's fucking massive. Anyway, it's it's shaped like kind of like an isosceles triangle. So it starts at uh, the west coast of Michigan at Ludington. Michigan, then it goes straight down to Benton Harbor, Michigan, which is close by the Indiana border, and then it shoots off to the west on the east coast of Michigan of Wisconsin in the infamous Manitowoc, Wisconsin, which is where all that shit with making a murderer went down. Um, oh, interesting. That's just like a, a side nugget, but anyway, that's like the triangle where it spans, so there's been like crazy disappearances like uh you know boats a lot of sh it's like a, a shipping lane a minor shipping lane commercial fishing uh boats have gone down anyway this case like so baldwin is like the township or like the neck the closest source of civilization to where cole infinity went missing um it's right on the edge of that maybe give it 30, 30 miles to the east of this uh, Lake Michigan Triangle. Like, there's been UFO reports, Bigfoot, like a Lake Michigan, Loch Ness, like all kinds of weird stuff. And I just thought it was interesting that it was, it's also right next to the Huron-Manistee National Forest. So it kind of ties in with the missing 411, and it's relatively close to this Lake Michigan Triangle. I just thought that was kind of interesting. But, yeah, to put it on yours and other people's radar, I had never heard of a Lake Michigan Triangle, but there's there's a lot of funky stuff. There's a specific case that falls into the Lake Michigan Triangle, too, of this guy named uh, Stephen Kobaki. That's a fucking super weird case that I want to get into one day, too. But, yeah, if anybody got a wild hair and wants to look up Stephen Kobaki, that shit will blow your hair back for sure. Um, okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll check that out. Um, yeah, dude, that story's fucking wild. Anyway, um, yeah, that was so kind of just his body. side. Yeah, they find his body half half a mile away, and he was, another point too, he just bought this like dope pontoon fishing boat, and he was super psyched to use it, and he was a half a mile away from that. It's like, what what pulled him away from the fishing like he was specifically in this boat he, they were going to meet him like i don't know eight or ten miles down downwind of the creek or upwind and they were going to his brother-in-law or dad or whatever we're going to just go pick him up it's like what would bring him out a half a mile away from that yeah and there was like no 
visible trauma to the body. Mm -hmm. Did you see, I saw one place and one place only, they said that his clothes were on backwards. I did not see that, but I did see one thing that it was, um, I guess he was wearing like waders like, that are like a mm -hmm. bib, like overalls where you can wade out in the creek. Uh, I guess the straps, I read that the straps on the back of his waders, which are like basically suspenders that come together like an X, right. were, it looked like they had been twisted like super hard as if he was picked up by the back of his straps and like fucking just like a hogtailed away. Yeah. Well, in, uh, in the video interview with the family, again, I saw this there and there alone. The brother was like, well, when we first saw him, we thought he'd been murdered because it looked like you could see drag marks. Like it looked like he had been drugged to where he was. And so mm -hmm. that was their first thought. And then, yeah, it's ruled to not be a murder. They said there's no foul play, whatever. And, and then it starts to get really weird because, you know, they do, the, they do the autopsy and can't find anything really unusual. They say his heart is slightly enlarged, which is not abnormal. Uh, the doctor, so this was 2013. And if, if you guys remember, I feel like that was in the peak of the CTE stuff. Maybe it was a couple years before it became real popular in, in the news. Yeah. But, they made uh, a movie with Will Smith about it even. Yeah. Tell the truth. <laughs> remember that? Uh, so I, Personally, I feel like they jumped to the CTE angle so fast because it's all they have. Yeah. And so they end up they end up sending his brain to a, a special doctor. And for the, I guess I just assume everyone knows CTE is like a, a degenerative brain condition caused by repeated strikes by, to the head. Yeah, it's it's become popular in football, but yeah, like boxing and. MMA. Yeah. So I feel like they go to that pretty quick and then they do a second autopsy and they say, yeah, it's funny because when you first read it, they're like, oh, well, he died of pneumonia because he threw up and aspirated, like sucked it into his lung. And, and I mean, that's pretty common. You see that in drug overdoses a lot or mm -hmm. people who fall asleep like on their back. Right. So they always tell you, but if you're drunk, back. you sleep on your stomach. Yeah. So a couple things, they found him face down, which I don't, I I don't know how you would vomit, and then suck it into your uh, lungs if you're face down. But let's pretend that's possible, which I'm sure it is. Uh, when I was reading what the medical examiner said, it it just said that one of his lungs showed signs of pneumonia a type of what white blood cells found in the air spaces and the medical examiner believes he may have vomited and inhaled some of the vomit and the bacteria may have caused the pneumonia. There's like five maize in there. Uh -huh. uh, the pneumonia would have taken several hours to develop. And then the quote from him is I'm deducing that because it seems unlikely he had pneumonia while on this trip. I can't say he didn't, but it seems like if he had been clinically unwell, he wouldn't have gone fishing. It's a medical hypothesis. It's a reasoned hypothesis, but it isn't absolute. Uh, so that, if you read between the lines, it's like, we have no fucking clue what killed this guy. Yeah. Because you don't, you don't think someone who's like an elite athlete 
could power through, you know, like a little lung, like if you have walking pneumonia or, or whatever that is, like right. if it's a mild, if it's a mild case, you, you might not even notice it. And this guy is speculating with nothing. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, they had, there was alcohol in his system, but it was, it was like point zero zero one five, which is so the equivalent had, of like one drink. Yeah, you know, it's he like, had like two what, fingers of whiskey. Yeah, God, you love phrases. <laughs> you love fun units of measurement. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's like it's like a quarter or a fifth of the legal limit of point oh eight to drive. Yeah. But uh, another interesting thing is he had been taking oxycontin for like back pain and they said that the level in his system was it was 260 nanograms per milliliter they say the therapeutic level is 40 but they say the average lethal dose is around around a thousand so this this might take us on a little bit of a detour because they're talking about tolerance right so mm -hmm. this guy's his body's been fucked up for a long time so they say therapeutic level's 40. If he's been taking this stuff for years, whether it's recreationally or for actual pain, mm -hmm. his, tolerance, his tolerance could be to the lethal level easily. Yeah. You know, because the, the lethal level of your grandma, who they take her to the hospital and she's never been on this type of stuff before, that's not what a young person who has gradually increased their tolerance, it's not going to be the same thing. And as a side note, that's my cat. She's loud. Uh, there was recently a, a trial of this doctor somewhere in Columbus or Cincinnati or somewhere, somewhere in Ohio where they were charging him with 14 counts of murder because he had all of these patients who were terminal at the end of their life, no chance they're coming back. And he gave them like large doses of fentanyl and other narcotics to sort of ease their pain, uh -huh. which, which, um, you know, my, my grandma actually just recently passed away and they were so stingy with her pain meds, even after they took her off everything, like they weren't treating her anymore. They're basically just like sitting around waiting for her to die. And Jesus. they would come in and give her like a thimble of pain medication. I'm like, who gives a fuck? Just dump that. Just dump the whole thing in there. Yeah. That sucks. Her off politely, yeah. you know, I mean, you the way they do it with animals, I feel like it's so much more humane where it's like, there's no coming back. You're going to be miserable until the moment you die. Let's just go ahead and send you there and, yeah. you know, ease your, ease your suffering. So this doctor though, it, it's kind of a long story. And if anybody's interested, it was a very interesting case that I think was very scary for doctors moving forward because he is a doctor. He's deciding how much pain medication to give these patients who are at the very end of their life. And let's say they convict him of 14 counts of murder. What do you think is going to happen when your grandma's in the hospital and she wants pain medication? They are going to give her jack shit because they're afraid of getting sued. Right. So one of the things that came up during this trial was, I think they say the lethal dose of fentanyl is like three micrograms or something like three grains of salt right maybe it's mm -hmm. milligrams i can't remember whatever not Damn. a doctor in case you hadn't figured it out <laughs> he was thought they were they were going through medical records of some of these patients who had who, who were in such agonizing pain 
and had built up such a crazy tolerance. If the if the lethal dose, quote unquote, is three milligrams, he had a patient that he gave her a thousand milligrams and she was still in agony, gave her another thousand, same Jesus. thing, gave her, gave her another thousand. And I think by the end of it, he had given her like thirty five hundred milligrams. So, you know, three thousand times the lethal dose and she was still alive. So one of the one of the central arguments in this case was, well, these were all terminal patients. You can't prove that these high doses, quote unquote, are what killed them because you don't know what their tolerance is. There's no way of quantifying. Right. You know, and, and it, it got kind of in the weeds of, well, these things do cause like respiratory distress, but they don't necessarily shut your anyway. If right. you're interested, look it up. They ended up finding him not guilty on everything, which is cool because it the more you get into the case, the more you realize that he became a, a patsy for the hospital who had fucked up mm -hmm. and there were there were procedural gaps that made the hospital liable. So there's supposed to be all these checks, right? Especially when you're talking about heavy narcotics. So the doctor orders it, the nurse confirms, gives it to the pharmacy, pharmacy confirms, gives it back to the nurse, gives it to the doctor, they administer it, whatever. There was some issue with their system internally where the pharmacy would give these prescriptions and then not have record of it. So it, it came out yeah. because somebody went back and was like, hey, did you authorize 4,000 milligrams of fentanyl to Mrs. Whatever? Yeah. And can you that would be that? like and a red, look? Yeah, that'd be like a red flag for, you know, so, something nefarious sure. going on. Sure. Like theft, which yeah. I imagine is their biggest issue is employee theft. Right. So then the pharmacy was like, that's weird. We don't have any record of that. And when the hospital saw that, like, oh, shit, we have a problem. And they actually have internal memos. You know when companies do that cute thing when they have a project and they give it a, a title, like Project Outhouse or something like that? <laughs> They've got all of these PowerPoints and e internal emails where in not so many words, they're basically like, we're fucked because they're, they're one of these hospitals that's part of a larger health group. It's not just little hospital. There are internal emails and PowerPoints and all of this discussion about, uh, yeah, basically we need to just point the finger at this one doctor as the reason why these issues are happening, not because of a bigger systemic problem. So it was an interesting case. The guy, the guy who defended him, uh, he's a really good lawyer. It's the same guy who defended Casey Anthony. Which oh, when you wow. see that, you're like, oh, what a scumbag. But yeah. I mean, he did well, a good job. And in this case, I, I think in this case, he was in the right. But I mean, this guy still lost his job, lost his license. And yeah. he's fucked. You know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be really tough for him to get a job ever again because he still has that thing hang, hanging over his head. Yeah. All of, all of that in a very roundabout way of saying uh, tolerance is it's not, it's not as easy to pin down as you might think because they, they said that whatever this guy whatever he had, the 260 micrograms or whatever. It was yeah, well below the therapeutic th threshold. And this guy had experience with, like he, he had been prescribed. He did have a problem. I saw he had a, a short stint in rehab. Uh, well, what it says is, like just, just for perspective, it says it's 260. It said the therapeutic level is 40. So you, you might be thinking, wow, that's crazy. And then it says the lethal is 1,000. But then the medical examiner says... 
his level was at the very low end of what is reported to be lethal. But I think that's super misleading. Like, there's no chance that was a lethal level for him. But yeah, like you said, he does have a little bit of a interesting, not only drug use history, but also mental illness history, Mm -hmm. which, uh, yeah, if you want to talk about his rehab or his, his previous strange paranoia incident. Yeah. I'll touch on that too real quick, but out of respect for his legacy and the family, I mean, by all accounts, it's like he was fucked up from football. He had major injuries. He was prescribed this thing. Uh, oxycontin and then you know like so many people that are prescribed that for a valid reason and it's so hard to get off um and it was it i mean you could argue maybe it was set up that way but either way um he had issues with it um after it was i guess therapeutically needed for his issues so and then he did his bid he did he he went into rehab took care of it um and by all accounts, like he was a good father. He had two kids. He had a good job. He wasn't spiraling out of control. He wasn't like right. beating people, beating his wife or anything like that. So um, I don't, and I don't give a lot of weight to that specifically, like the painkiller uh, being in his system in this case. But what's more um, pulling to like the plausible side and like how could he have disappeared and how could these strange things happen to him? Um, there was the case in um, so two years prior, two ish years prior to this, in December 2011, um, Finnerty. Uh, it was it was the one and only time his older brother Tim had seen him scared. So again, back this guy's like a a leader. They called him Superman. He's not afraid of taking a hit from somebody that weighs 300 pounds. This is the first time he's ever seen or heard him scared. Finnerty, he was in Detroit with some of his co-workers, and all of a sudden he thought he got this idea that he was being followed. Um, which I think this can kind of branch off into schizophrenic territory. Um, yeah. Because this is a common thread I've seen in, in people with schizophrenia that are still high-functioning and can hold down a job and drive a car and all these things. They found themselves, they've had these isolated incidents throughout their life where they get into like a deep pit of depression depression that's often uh, interchangeable or coincides with like major paranoid paranoid episodes, which this seems to fit the bill. Um, so he thought he was being followed and in a fit of paranoia, he drove to his brother's Tim's house in Grand Rapids from Michigan, which is 150 miles of the way away at the drop of a hat, like during the middle of the day, this happened. And then it was an isolated incident two years a whole two years prior to his disappearance. So, I mean, you can take that for, for what you will. I mean, it doesn't look good, maybe not for him, but it doesn't look good if you're championing like, Oh, this is totally unexplained. It's like, there's something here that shows like, you know, because on some of those phone calls, the, the one that really creeped me out, uh, during the time that he disappeared and his body was found, one of the phone calls, um, he mentioned like he was be- he thought he was being followed and he was sure that there mm-hmm. was two people in the woods that were actively tracking him and it sounded like he was moving while he was making the call like there was stuff going on in the background um other people too they heard yelling and screaming which like in the general area that he was supposedly uh 
that he supposedly disappeared, which this is Memorial Day weekend. I mean, I don't want to say one way or another, but, you know, I, I don't think on its face, like, that's that's something you can be like, you can tie that to these two individuals that were following him. Anyway, um, so, yeah, he had that one isolated incident two years prior to this, and then, you know, the phone call, he made, I think he made four phone calls. The first one, like you alluded to, is super weird. He tells his wife he's going to take his clothes off, and he thinks someone's after him. And then they ping his cell phone. That's where those weird discrepancies in, like, miles away from the last ping was. And then he calls again and says, I think there's two people following me, two shadowy figures. Um, that's super weird. And then, uh, like, over the ne- over those two days that he was missing, like you mentioned, like, the whole football team came out. Like, they came out at the drop of the hat. They first heard, like, yeah, he disappeared. And, like, the next day they had organized, like, 100-plus, like, former players, current players, coaching staff, people in that surrounding town. I think it was somewhere between a total of 300 to 400 people, including law enforcement and search and rescue and those kinds of things that covered like a 16 square mile area. And they walked like, I don't know, 50 or hundred feet apart in a grid pattern over this whole, a relatively small area that he could have gone yeah. missing just by doing like the raw math of like how long in between he disappeared and he was found and the areas he was known to be in. Uh, and then where he was ultimately found, like, working the raw math out like they should have found him earlier or you would think that you should or and even before that like it's even weirder that he was allowed or that he was able to go missing and couldn't find his way back to some source of civilization um i wrote one thing too it was uh um there had been no undue stress in his life. He was happily married with children, just received a promotion in his place of work. No reports of strange behavior uh, after his rehab stint and none the day, and especially none that day uh, from his family's accounts. Uh, it seems whatever came over him, it was out of the blue. Um, some other people in the area, like locals, said that he apparently wandered into the woods Um in an area that's crisscrossed with roads, one local said it's almost impossible to get lost in. Uh, it And it seems, some people have speculated, it seems that he purposely avoided those searching for him who were calling out his name. Um, and then he was found deceased about one mile from where he entered the woods. Yeah, that that was one of the things that I tried looking for but couldn't find was the estimated time of death. Mm-hmm. Because he's go- he's gone for almost two full days, but they they didn't say like oh we think he died that first night or oh we think he died two hours before we found him like so it it certainly stands to reason that if he is having this sort of mental break and is thinking he's being followed or whatever it certainly stands to reason that he could be just hiding when the search is looking for him and that's why they went through the same area. Didn't see him. If, right. If they did. Yeah. Maybe he thought is, those, those people were after him and then it ties into right. the plausibility of, okay. Yeah. You, it would make sense in that situation. If you were in that headspace to try and hide from that and avoid active, uh, someone actively trying to find you. Like the biggest thing for me is 
it's not the time of death thing, but like, how do they not know the cause of death? Right. You know, how can you look at somebody's body and, and not see like, Oh, all of these organs are functioning. Pro like if somebody has a heart attack, is that something you think they can see after the fact? Because I don't I know. know. I know a lot of times if, if people have weird medical issues that are sort of unexplainable, they sort of just attribute it to like, oh, this was a, a heart attack, but I don't know if it works where if it is actually a heart attack, if there's just no, I mean, you'd think there would be damage to the heart that they could look at or, yeah, I don't know. It's so, it's so strange though, that for such a young guy, no trauma, no visible injury, and they really have no clue. I mean, a little bit of pneumonia in his lung and a slightly enlarged heart, that's for a, for a guy that young, that's nothing. So yeah. That, that's the biggest thing for me. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't see how, I, I mean, the more of these cases that I've seen, that's another hallmark of these missing 411 cases is the inability to firmly establish a cause of death. Um, and from what I've understood when they put like exposure or like pneumonia seems to be like a, a catch all as well. Um, they're just used as like placeholders again going back to your like summation of i don't fucking know but you have to put something right. and it's also too sometimes you know that medical examiner or coroners that's their reputation on the line that's that that's their whole career on the line if they fuck it up or, or if they go too far outside of um just the facts jack you know like if they want to like put yeah. themselves out there they'll use exposure as that safe cover your ass catch-all to that cause of death even though that that's not even a cause of death that's just a it's just a placeholder for i don't know or we can't determine the cause of death you have to put right. something you put it just it's like a formality thing to put exposure but i mean this guy, he, he disappeared Memorial Day weekend, so summertime. It is up in the north in Michigan, so it's like, you know, the lows, overnight lows can drop into like the 40s, 30s, maybe even unheard. It's not unheard of to drop into the 20s, but it's not like this was wintertime in Michigan. This was like going right into peak summer. So I think there are a lot of things that go both sides that are like, probable and can be explained a bit away as like a natural occurrence but i there are things that keep pulling me back like like the medical even like you know how uh you commented that it looked they said family member said it looked like he was dragged yeah and then well you then you want to think like unless it was like a serial killer or somebody who was after him and they did that but you would think okay maybe animal predation or like he like a bear attack or some kind of attack but then that doesn't stack up with how pristine his body was like no scratches no right. visible struggle so it's like you keep going these him and haw on like what's plausible and like this really is like an unsolvable or an unexplained case with like really peculiar um circumstances and and things attached to it so it's it sucks because it, it's like one of these ones that we're probably never going to know and so you just it, it, it would always be in the back of your mind i can't imagine how hard it would have to be to like live with that fact that that person's just gone and seemingly it's like it seemed like you could reach out and touch him or like he should have been able to 
to find help or to get himself back like in that tight of a, a cluster of the area that he went uh, missing. So, so I, I was able to look up the historical weather data for that city and for let's just do the 27th because it's the second night that he would have been out looks like the low was 51 oh yeah that's so, nothing that's yeah that's not bad that's especially pretty, pretty cool website i didn't even know this was a thing you could do it's like a wayback machine for weather yeah it's called the uh it's the weather underground, but it, I just searched for like historical weather data. Yeah, and if you look at the map where he, they said, I think the the very last spot. So it's ju- it's two miles away from this township, which is like it's only a population of like eight hundred people in Baldwin, Michigan. But mm-hmm. this was during Memorial Day weekend, and it looks very much like. Like, it's got six lakes, pretty small little lakes, but they're named lakes. They all have RV campgrounds surrounding them, Um, regular, your standard tent campground. So he's two miles away from the city, and all around, it's the Bray Creek State Forest Campground, which is right next to the Baldwin River, which where he was found at the bank of the Baldwin River. I mean, Mm. you could pretty much throw a stone in any direction, and if he would have just been on one track, unless he was like zigzagging and doing something like super, like, yeah, it just seems weird that he wouldn't have been able to find a source of civilization, especially, I mean, like that kind of touristy or like summer town, it probably would have been more than that many people. There probably would have been a shit ton of people on each one of those little lakes and RV campgrounds. He probably would have been able to hear stuff. So I guess... I mean, unless, unless he had like a mental breakdown that first night and was just like bombing through the woods aimlessly, probably going in circles in the middle of the night and then just eventually keels over right in the middle. I don't know. But yeah. It's, I mean, that's why, that's why it's an interesting story. Cause there's so many unanswered questions. I mean, I, where I fall on all this is like, what's the most plausible probably Maybe he had another incident like he did in 2011. He thought someone was following him. He even said that on the phone. Um, He went into like, you know, some kind of like hyper paranoid episode. And he's out in the wilderness. And, you know, I can't even speculate on what would happen after that that would cause him to die. But, you know, maybe it was some of the throw up, maybe some freak interaction with with the drugs that were in the system and the tiny bit of alcohol. Um, well, and it could be one of those things where you see that with drug addicts who quit for a long time, when they go back, like we were talking about with tolerance, if you, if you, if you think about it in terms of like pills, you know, you start taking one, then you're up to two and then four and then six and 12, whatever, you know, I've, I've heard about guys who, they're taking like 80 Vicodin a day or something mm-hmm. crazy. Like their tolerance just gets so high. So imagine if you quit for a year, two years, like you go to rehab and then maybe you come across some more and you're like, well, I'm, I mean, I used to take 10 so I can take four. Yeah. You know, and it mix just that with a little bit throttles of you back up. I mean, but yeah, I mean, you would think that would be, if it was like an overdose, you would think that would be <clears throat> observable, 
But who knows? Maybe that seemingly low amount of Oxycontin in the system was enough to just maybe, yeah, maybe being face down, maybe it just put enough strain on his, you know, respiratory system to where he just sort of like smothered himself or. Yeah. Or his body just let go. I mean, freaky shit happens all the time, but this case in particular, I I still, like, usually I'll I'll feel in my gut one way or another, but this is truly one where I, it's it's a heads or tails. But I guess the more conspiratorial side of me, I I think there's there's something missing here. I mean, there's obviously something missing, um, but I think there is something funky sprinkled in with this specific disappearance do you rule out anything whether it's supernatural or you know outside forces kind of thing in this or i you... think he i think he just scared himself to death what whatever that means like i've seen that too something... a lot of people have said in this case like they they've come out and say that like he was frightened to death and they point to other precedents of of where it's more of a clear-cut case that someone was scared to death. I've I've seen that too. I'm not smart enough to attribute that like medically or like know whether that's pos- plausible enough, but I did see that right. too. Well, and and I mean that would apply to a pretty wide array of fuck, let's say it was Bigfoot or aliens or shapeshifters or Jewish lizard people who control yeah. everything. Uh that would scare the shit out of you or if it was just your own paranoid possibly schizophrenic yeah your mind projecting that and making it real for you inside your own head yeah Yeah, who knows how you would react to something like that all right well yeah i think that's that'll wrap it up i don't have anything else did you have any anything else no no i think that that pretty much covers it what i was thinking do you think that was this going into it did you think uh did you get more out of it than you thought you would, or did this take a turn you weren't expecting in particular? Or? No, I mean, it was more interesting than I thought after, upon first reading. I was like, what, this guy just, he died, and it's really not that, it's not that uh, unclear. Because when you first read it, it's like, died of pneumonia, blah, blah, blah. But then when you read it, it's like, oh, well, no, they they don't know. They don't exactly know, which to me is the most curious part about the whole thing so all right well i think that's going to wrap it up uh for this episode on cole infinity um if anybody has any uh insights into this case or any other question in general you can send us an email at wax at waxing or you can reach out to us on our social media accounts either instagram waxing the porpoise or twitter at waxing the porp um if you want to send us a review uh, or uh, a rating on either iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts, that would definitely be welcomed. Um, thanks, everybody, for the support so far. We're getting some pretty good feedback on episodes here and there. We got a nice little bump from being uh, – we were featured on our podcast host. Shout out to Podbean. Um, they had they featured us on their front page of their podcatcher podcast player uh so that gave us a a significant or at least for us significant uh and noticeable spike so um to all those that that found us that way hope you enjoy the show and uh check out some of our back catalog um 
But yeah, that'll do it for us. Uh, I didn't come prepared for next topic, so we'll kind of we'll leave that open ended, um, and we'll be back with a new episode next week. It'll um, be a mystery. Yeah, it'll be unexplained until next week. <laughs> All right, uh, that'll do it. Take care, folks. Yours. Yours. Bye. <laughs> what do you mean by that? <laughs>